A number of months ago, I was able to go on a retreat down up in Gower, Missouri, up in the northwest corner of Missouri. And there's a small convent of Benedictine sisters there. Now, when I go on retreat, this is often just a beautiful time set apart for the Lord to simply listen to his voice for just a few days just over the course of that week. And so during that time, there's a lot of reading, there's a lot of prayer, there's a lot of different things that happen, and a lot of those things stick in my memory. But few stick in my memory from this past experience as much as this occurrence. It was late in the evening, and I was, the sun had started to set, and I just simply walked outside just for a short little walk around the countryside. And as I was walking along, I simply looked up in the night sky, and what did I see? I saw stars. Now, you might not think that's all that profound or might not be all that in somewhat of an insight, and yet it's something that was profound because anyone who knows the difference between the city and the country knows that you can only see the stars very clearly out in the country. That all, whenever you're in the city, so often the lights of that city wash away the stars so that you can't see anything, let alone maybe just the moon. But nonetheless, I was in that moment, and it was profound, because all of the different lights that distracted from the stars were finally taken away, that I was finally able to see the stars once again. And we think about this feast, this feast of the epiphany of the Lord, his manifestation to the nations, and we're thinking about something that's very, very similar. We're thinking about that fact that Jesus Christ was made known to the entirety of the world by the message of a star, that he even drew those Gentiles, those from afar, from that light of that star, that he drew them from so far away and led them to the place where he was because he wanted to be made known. He wanted to manifest his presence to the entire world. Yet as we celebrate that, we have to question, why does that matter? Why are we celebrating that? How does that invite us to change our life right here and right now? Perhaps if we delve a little bit into the readings in the gospel, we'll hear a little bit more about that. So we start off this morning with the first reading from the book of Isaiah, and we've been following this ever since we began the season of Advent, and yet nonetheless it's still here, but the message has changed, because at the beginning of Advent, the message in the book of the prophet Isaiah was largely that the Lord is coming, that he's coming soon and will not delay. And yet whenever we approach the mystery of Christmas, and then we finally get to the epiphany, what do we see? Rise up, your king has come. The fact that he is now manifest, that he is in their midst, that we know the context of the book of the prophet Isaiah that is often speaking to a people that are in exile, but notice what he's saying right there, that the Lord is in their midst, that he's not coming in the future, but he's coming right now. And what does this look like? Well, he assimilates it and he compares it to all sorts of different things, but this comparison to light is really what he settles upon. Because he's aware that the Israelites think that they're lost in the darkness, that they're largely confused and afraid, and they're in doubt and despair. And yet, nonetheless, he sees that need to continue to speak to them about the light that's going to shine over all places in every nation, that even in the midst of that darkness and even in the midst of that time, that the Lord's still going to be there, that he is in their midst, and that he's drawing them forward. And we also see this image at the end that really draws it in and connects it to the Feast of the Epiphany. The fact that caravans of camels will come from afar and that gold and frankincense will be given. And so that fact of the matter is that the Lord is already being prophesied here, that he's in their midst, he's coming, and yet we're going to see him in a fuller display later on. Thus is the book of the prophet Isaiah, and thus is his message this morning. Then we continue on and we hear from St. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. And though he doesn't speak to this image of light, he does speak to something that's very similar. And we hear about this image of revelation. 
And there's an important connection here because it's not just simply about seeing light. It's not about a physical light at all, but in fact, it's about a spiritual one. It's about the fact that that revelation provides us light to see, not with our eyes, but with our souls and with our hearts. And so whenever St. Paul's speaking to the Ephesians, he's reminding them that this revelation is the one that's been spoken about for so long because he wants them to remember that this isn't a physical light at all, but it's something of a spiritual one that's going to give us that light to see with our souls. That the prophets and all of those that spoke about the Lord and his coming, they were all speaking about this moment, the fact that the Lord was going to be revealed and made manifest to the entirety of the world. Then finally, we arrive at the gospel according to Matthew. We're all likely very familiar with this story because it seems to dovetail so beautifully into the story of the nativity. So we know that the Lord is born, that he's laying in the manger in Bethlehem. And then eventually in time, we hear about these magi that are approaching from the east. And so they're looking for the Christ child that they've heard this prophesy and they've been looking towards the stars and knowing that this is the time, but they're looking for the Christ child nonetheless. So they stop off in Jerusalem because they figure this is the place of importance. This is the place where someone ought to know where this child is. And indeed, to some answer or to some extent, he is correct. Because, in fact, whenever they approach Herod, he looks and he goes amongst all of those that have wisdom and knowledge in his kingdom. And he asks them, where is the Christ child to be born? And they say, in Bethlehem. And so the Magi start off on their journey again, and they start to approach that point, and they look for the Christ child, and all of a sudden that star starts to lead them along the way. That we see that star is going to manifest and really show them the light of the world, and they're going, it's going to lead them to the one that is the light of the world, namely Jesus Christ himself. And so that star eventually leads them to the place where the Christ child is. And then they offer their, gold, their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the gifts symbolizing a king a priest, and one who's going to die for their people. So it's a beautiful moment because these kings are already giving prophecy as far as what the Lord is going to do, as far as what Jesus is going to set his mission about, that they're giving these gifts that symbolize what he's going to be doing and why he's come from heaven to earth. And so then we're told at the very end that they're warned in a dream not to return to that same place, but to return to their home country by another way. So they depart from the Christ child And then they go that different way, that they don't return to Herod, but rather go back to their home country. But as we listen to that gospel, there's actually several different points that we can consider. Because these three kings, whenever they approach the Lord with their gifts, they do so in a very deliberate way, but it's one that actually invites us to imitate them as well. And the first point is this, the first point of imitation. Whenever those kings are searching for the Christ child, what are they doing? They're constantly looking that they're always searching with their heart and in their soul, and they're looking for that Christ child, that they're not simply distracting themselves with all sorts of different things, but in fact their eyes are open, that they're searching and they're seeking after that Christ child. And it should be the same with us. Because much like whenever I was looking up at the night sky, it's so much easier to see the stars whenever you're away from all of those lights that are of the city. But those lights of the city are often different in our reality. Because so many different things are distractions to us or they get in the way of us seeing the light of the Christ child. So many different things get in the way of us seeing that. Perhaps it's our ego, perhaps it's our own pride, perhaps there's many different things that enter into our reality. Or maybe it's just simply the anxieties and the fears of life that's threatened to take the light of the Christ child away. There's so many of those things that can get into our view and they obstruct our vision of the Christ child. So it becomes much harder to look for him. But nonetheless, that need to seek is still there. 
that we know that we need to seek the Christ child, that each and every one of our hearts, whether we know it or not, are seeking after our Lord and our God. And so whenever we seek, we should be seeking after the Christ child and making way for him so that we can truly see that light. Because so many different things in the world compete for that place, that they want to capture our vision and to take it away from the Christ child. But nonetheless, that importance of looking towards him is there, that we need to be looking for the Lord and removing all of those obstacles, those fears, those anxieties, those things that really get in the way of our relationship, or all of those different distractions of life. We need to remove those from our vision so that we can see the Christ child more clearly. But notice the next point that those kings, whenever they're approaching the Christ child, they aren't going by their own way, but they're trying to follow, that they're watching the star, they're watching the advice of others, that they're consistently showing up and trying to find where the Lord is leading them. And it should be the same with us as well. Because in this moment in our lives, whether we recognize it or not, each and every one of us are on a journey that we can kind of dictate to ourselves what exactly that journey looks like or where we're headed. But nonetheless, God is trying to lead each and every one of us somewhere in a very deliberate way. Do we follow the Lord in such an open way? Do we follow him with all our hearts and our souls, no matter where he leads, no matter the twists and turns and even the sorrows and difficulties of life? Are we still willing to follow the Lord no matter where he leads? Because so often it can be tempting to make our own way and our own journey. But these magi show us in a very real way what it is to follow the Lord and to journey with him, to seek after the Lord and to follow that star wherever it goes. It should be the same with us because on our faith life and in our faith life, we're on a journey as well. We need to follow the Lord wherever he's leading us. And then finally we get to this last point, and it's one that seems like it's rather disposable in this context of the gospel, but it's nonetheless important, because we see that these three magi, they approach the Lord, they see him, they offer their gifts, they offer their talents, and whatever they have, that they lay them at the service of the king, and then what do they do? They depart by another way. They don't go back to what they were used to. They don't allow themselves to go back to the same old, same old ritual and routine of life. But because they have seen the Christ child, it changes their hearts and their souls. It does something different. Then, in fact, they're led to have their entire heart, their soul, and even their entire life changed. That they're not going to go back to home the way that they would used to, they would used to be going. But rather, they're going by that different way because they beheld the light of the Christ child. That he invites them to live life differently, to do things in a different way. The Magi aren't going up to this point and going up, witnessing it, and going away unchanged. But rather, they're really beholding this moment, and it's really inviting them to change their entire life because they've had a deliberate and deep encounter with the Lord. And because of this, they go forward, and their life has changed. And isn't it so supposed to be that same way with us? Because whenever we approach this mystery of the nativity, it can be so often easy to make it a disposable point. One that we just come to on a yearly basis, we kind of celebrate it, we have this feeling of nostalgia and these different feelings of goodness and goodwill, and then we kind of move on with life. But there's a reason that the church puts this celebration in each and every year. Because it wants to remind us that our life should be changed by the impact and this encounter with Christ. Then, in fact, because these magi approached the Lord, they saw him and their hearts were changed and moved to move about in a different way in their life. It should be the same with us, that each and every time we behold the Christ child, that we should be changed as well. We should be seeking after that light and we should be removing everything else that gets in the way of that light so that indeed we follow the Christ in a more deep, intentional, and deliberate way. 
So my brothers and sisters, we celebrate this Feast of the Epiphany today, reminding of ourselves of that light of the Christ child, the fact that he wants to be manifest and made known not just to the nations, but to each and every one of our hearts and our souls as well. And that's really the invitation for each and every one of us. Not to see all of the lights that the world has to offer, not all of these different distractions that can get in the way of our relationship with the Christ child, but instead to strip them away, much like that night sky I saw that one night, and to really see the star beyond all of those lights, to really follow the Christ child and to follow his light through the darkness of the world and to truly follow it to that place full of light itself. We celebrate the manifestation, the fact that Christ has made himself known to the nations. May he be so well known to each and every one of us.